Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. I'm Tim Blevins, lead pastor, and I'm honored you have come to join us. To experience our full service or for more information, check out the links in the description. I hope this message ministers to you and helps you find life in Jesus. Stokely, what a great story. Jamie, are you here? I think I saw you walk in. Raise your hand. Would you stand up, Jamie? Let's just give you a shout out. We love you. You're amazing. God bless you. Thanks for your story. What a great story. And listen, uh, her story, like all of us, have some place in some way that God has connected us to this house. And so we know that we all have stories, but it's so good to hear what she had to say, and so we love you. Hey, I want to welcome you to church today. Welcome to Life Church. It's just an honor that you're here. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, this just wouldn't be the same without you, and so I'm so glad you're here. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you honor God on the first day of the week. I think it's important that we honor God. We show up and we, we worship Him on the first day of the week. I think when we do that, uh, we can carry the promise that God will bless the rest of our week. So when you walk out today, I want you to just kind of under your breath, just go, I'm expecting a great week because I honor God today. Amen, church? Amen. Hey, I want to begin with something a little funny today. And um, it's been a little bit since I've given you a joke. And um, I'll be honest with you, um, it didn't go over so well the first service because um, Harriet said I didn't even understand it. And so uh, we'll see... <laughs> We'll see how we do this service. So, so pay attention. Would you pay attention? So, but I have, and this is probably where I'm in trouble to begin with, relationship advice for women. So that, it's downhill from that point on. But um, so ladies, here's the thing. Five relationship points to help you. Number one, uh, you need to find a man who loves you unconditionally and will be loyal to you. Number two, you need to find a man who likes to work hard and will try to provide for you. And number three, you need to find a man with a good sense of humor to keep you lively all the time. Number four, you need to find a man who is real good with children and will be a good father. And number five, it's important that none of these four men ever meet each other. <clears throat> Unless you're as fortunate as Harriet and get all four at one time. Even a sense of humor on Sunday morning. <laughs> All right. Listen, church, we are preparing to move into our brand new church home. And I am so excited about the next year of our church. Everything is coming together so well. We have design plans and we have our property that's going to go under contract in the next week. And um, amen to that. Um, God is blessing us. Uh, so many great things are going on, and um, we're, we're waiting on the city to finish a uh, approval for us with our current, I mean, the place that we're going to be moving into, and so they're almost at the end of that, and so, so we're making great progress. But we began a, a series and a, a campaign last week called The Courageous Campaign, and if you missed last week, we want to kind of catch you up to speed just a little bit. And so we have a booklet we want to give to every person that missed last week's church service and did not get a booklet. So would you do me a favor and raise your hand real high, leave it up. We have people in our, in our back in the auditorium that are going to bring to you one of these books. So leave your hand up until you get a book. And when you do get your, your bag, there's a couple pieces in it. 
And um, so I'll keep talking a little bit while they're handing them out. So you can keep one hand up and listen all at the same time. You got that, don't you? All right, so listen, in your bag is a connection card, I'm sorry, a commitment card. Now, what I want you to do with your commitment card is to simply take it home, put it on your refrigerator, and begin to pray about what your commitment will be for the Courageous Building Fund campaign. So I do not want you to fill it out today or tomorrow. I will explain more over the weeks how to fill out your card, but I just want this to be a reminder at your house that you are to pray about your part of the campaign. Excellent. Now, does everyone have a book now that needs a book? If not, raise your hand real high. Our amazing serve team will get one to you. So once you get your book, I want to just draw your attention to a few things inside your booklet. If you did not bring your booklet back from last week, well, it's okay, but you can't flip through the booklet with us. So I'll just tell you what's, what's in it. So when you first open it up, there's a picture of Ryan holding up a sign that you belong here and you do. There's a, a part here of a story out of 2 Samuel, out of Joab. I preached on that last week, so if you missed last week, you can go back and listen to that online. There are different defining moments that have set our church in apart and have given us some defining moments in our church. But then you get to the next page, and this is where I want to park for just a moment, because you see the, the interior and some of the exterior view of our new building that was formerly the Jelly Bean Skating Ring, which is now our new home. But I want to just give you a quick glimpse of what it's going to look like in the lobby. And so this is right by the Information Center. Now, Harriet told me that we would not have a yellow wall in there, but we will have pretty walls in there. But it's going to be massive. It's going to be great. We have high ceilings in the room, have a fancy, you know, welcome information center. But probably the most important thing, if you see kind of in the far background there, the, the sign right there, everybody say it with me. One, two, three. Yes. All right. We're a coffee church, so we're going to build it. Go ahead. You can clap for coffee. It's all right. We clap for everything here. You might as well clap for coffee. Um, so, um, but we won't have that logo on there. It'll look prettier. But, um, but we'll have a coffee shop. It'll be great. Let me show you the next picture. This is an interior view of the, the layout or design of the inside of the church. And here it comes. There it is. Thank you, tech team. So here's what you're, you're looking at. So at the very top, you'll come in the main entrance. There's some seating there to hang out with your coffee and your friends. Um, that's the coffee shop there to the left in the purple there. If you keep coming straight ahead, you'll walk past the next steps room and you'll come into another lobby area. To my left, to the left here is the auditorium. It's a 600 seat auditorium, which is amazing. And then to the right is our super large, you know, amazing kids spaces that are security locked down. It's going to be amazing. So they've got plenty of space. Um, at the top, you go by the coffee shop. There's a kitchen there. There's big bathrooms for you. And then there's an expansive office because we anticipate uh, needing to hire new people to help us lead our church. And so, so that's the interior of our church. And so if you would then flip a couple more pages, go past Reach My City, uh, go past the part where it says Build Our Community and then Pursuing Vision, and then you can park on the frequently asked questions. I'm not going to read this all to you today. Listen, you can go home, you can read it. And, um, but I'll give you a couple thoughts here. So a Courageous Campaign is a fundraising campaign to raise $1.5 million 
that will be used to upfit our building with the equipment, with lighting, with chairs, with kids' equipment, with all the coffee equipment. So everything that goes inside of the building that, that is kind of like not attached. It will also give us a margin uh, for us to have stability in our church. And so, so we're in a campaign we're kicking off you know, through this series, a campaign to, to raise $1.5 million out of our church body. Uh, so now is our time to do it. When are we going to do it? Um, well, in June 2022, we will have our official kickoff of the campaign. On June 12th, we'll have our Commitment Sunday. So these cards that I mentioned a minute ago, you will be bringing one of these cards back with you on June 12th with your commitment to the campaign. And then we'll kick it off, and it'll be a three-year campaign, and we'll talk about it throughout the years, and we'll see God do great things. Can I get an amen about that? Amen. 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 Well, listen, I want to um, take you to the very last couple pages of that booklet. There's a place for notes. You can write in your notes section, if you would, if you'd write at the top of, the, of week two, and write this question, am I all in? Am I all in? Awesome. Now, let me pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you that we are kicking off this campaign, and we know that, Father, when all of us are all in and we all do our part, that there'll be more than enough. We'll have abundance for what you have for us, God. And so, Lord, I just thank you for this day. I pray that you would inspire us, that you would give us courage, you would give us faith for all that we need in life. Bless your people today, I pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. I want to talk to you today about the blessing of being all in. The blessing of you're all in. Now, I know that in your life, you want to be successful. I know you want to be blessed. And we all want our church to be blessed. And I want to share with everyone today a principle about all in that brings the blessings upon your life and into our church. And so I want to begin in the book of Genesis, chapter 11. And this is in verse 6. And God, is, says, God says this. He says, the people are united. Would you say that with me? The people are united. Let's try it again. The people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. So according to this scripture, nothing is impossible for us when we are united in vision. You see, in the kingdom of God, unity is special to God. It attracts his blessings and his favor when we are in unity. On the other side of the coin, God does not bless disunity. There's a verse, it's not going to be on your screen today. I, I failed to get it to our tech team in time, but uh, the Lord kind of laid this on me this morning. But just to reveal to you that, that disunity is something that destroys churches, it destroys families, it destroys cities and nations. And the Bible says in Matthew 12, 25, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And every city or household that is divided against itself will not stand. And so there's a powerful principle between unity and disunity. In unity, God pours out his blessings. In disunity, things fall apart and they do not stand. Another verse I'll read to you about unity and God's blessings is out of Psalms 133. It says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren. You know who brethren are. 
That's God's people. So that's King James version of God's people. It's brethren. And so we have brethren and sisters here today. So if you want to speak a little King James on the way out the door, you can say, hello, brethren, and hello, sistren, on the way out the door. But, but it's God's people. So behold, like, like pay attention to this, how good and how pleasant it is for God's people to dwell together in, say it with me, try it again, for God's people to dwell together in, it's like the precious oil. So it's, it's illustrating what unity is like. And the Bible says it's like precious oil, which would represent God's favor and his power on your life. It's like precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron. Now, who was Aaron? Aaron was the high priest for the Israelites when this was written. And so what it's saying is, is that, that the unity of the Israelites brought about God's favor and his power upon Aaron and it flowed down from his beard. And look what it says. It runs down to the edge of his garments, meaning that all the Israelites were part of the blessings and the favor of God because they were in unity. Verse 3, another illustration says, it's like the dew of Hermon. So Hermon is a very tall mountain outside of Jerusalem. The dew represents the refreshing rain, the refreshing waters that flow from the top of this mountain. It was a snow-capped mountain, and as it begins to, to warm, those, those waters come down that refresh all the land below. And he says the, the, the unity is like that refreshing water that descending upon the mountains of, of Zion, which is God's holy city. And it says, for there, and I put in parentheses, where is there? So where is there? There is unity. So for, for there, where unity is, the Lord commanded the blessings life forevermore. Commanded, like not a suggestion of God. God says that when you stand in unity, he commands his blessings on your life. And if you want to walk in his blessings, then you need to learn to walk in unity with others and with your church body because he will command his blessings to come upon your life. Amen, church? Also in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus says these words. He says, again, I say to you that if two of you agree, which is unity, on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. In other words, he's saying when you gather and you are in unity with your church body and when you are, are in the presence of God together and there's a sense of, of unified purpose together that his power, his presence, he answers prayers like the miracles of God show up in a church like that. And that's the church that we are. Amen. When I think of unity, I think of like like mindedness or I think of like values. I think of a like purpose and, and like actions where we, we all work together and we all serve together. We all come together as we're all in on what God is doing. Unity is when we're all in it together. So let me emphasize this point today as I preach about unity and the blessings of God. And my point today is that God will bless your life and our church when we are all in. Amen. So our courageous campaign, we have two goals that I want to share with you real quick. The first goal is a financial goal. It's $1.5 million. I shared that with you a minute ago. But the most 
interesting and most important part that I'm interested in is our second goal. And our second goal is this, and it's a spiritual goal. And that is to be 100% in participation with our church. That's spiritual goal. Why is that spiritual? Because if you participate, here's what's going to happen. You're going to need to go home and you're going to start praying and asking God for what you're going to do. That's spiritual. Then when God shares something with you, you're going to write it down. And it's probably going to be a little bit bigger than you thought it was going to be because God knows what he can do through you more than you know. And it's spiritual because you're going to say, God, I trust you and I'm going to say yes to what you want to do. Then you're going to be obedient to God and you're going to start sowing and giving as he's asked you to do. All of that is spiritual because it's stretching your faith. It's stretching you to trust God in a season where inflation is high, you'll say, God, if you said it, then I agree with it. And it's spiritual because I'm going to do it. Amen. Courage can be described as faith. Faith. Do you have the courage to ask God about your generosity and the faith to say yes to God? And that's why we named this campaign Courageous, because I believe we're a church that is courageous, and that we'll ask God to do our part. Now, in this campaign, I want you to know that I absolutely will not tell you what to give or how much to give, because that would be spiritual manipulation. But what I am asking you to do is to be courageous and to ask God about your part of the campaign. Amen, church? So let me take us back to the beginning of our message. When I shared in Genesis chapter 11... A story about where they were, uh, God said to them that they were in unity and there was nothing impossible for them. So there's a little backstory to this that I want to, to bring into play before I go back to that verse. And so that verse that I read was in, in Genesis 11. I want to take you to chapter 9 for just one second and give you kind of the, the context of where that came from. So in chapter 9 is immediately after the flood, so the great flood that, that wiped out everything on earth and wiped out all the sin except for Noah, his wife, and Noah's three sons and their wives. So eight people were left. Then God gave them instructions to repopulate the earth, repopulate the world. So in other words, he said, go have lots of babies. And so then we read in chapter uh, 9, 7, this verse where it says, and as for you, be fruitful and multiply bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply in it. So those were their instructions. That was the mission that God had given them. And so they did it. And so if you read chapter 10, it's all about the genealogy of their families. And they were very fertile and they did a really good job. So then we get to chapter 11. And this is after generations have been born. And, and we find this story that I want to bring us to. And this is about one of the clans that came up with a plan to build this really giant, beautiful city with a tower that reached into the sky. So let me take you to chapter 11, verse 1. It says, At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language, and they used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia, and they settled there. They began saying to each other, Let's make bricks and harden them with fire. Because in this region... Bricks were used instead of stone, and tar was used for mortar. Verse 4 says, Then they said, Come, let's build a great city for ourselves 
with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. I want to just draw your attention for just a moment to two errors that this clan made at this moment in time in this statement. So first, they wanted to build a city and a tower that would make themselves famous. They were trying to do something that would promote themselves. They were trying to show themselves how much they could achieve and build on their own. Now, I want to say to you that they acted in pride. And one of the things for us as we build our building, as we renovate our building and we get ready to move in, we must not ever operate out of pride in what this is what we did. Because the fundraising campaign that we're going to do is going to be miraculous in so many ways. You're going to have moments where God blesses you more than you knew he was going to bless you. And you're faithful to give him even more in that moment. This is all about what God can do through a church that says yes to God. So this isn't how great we are, although I would compliment you and I think you're great. But this isn't about making us famous. We're building a building so that we can make Jesus famous in our city. The second thing they did wrong is they missed the mission. They were told by the Lord to multiply and fill the earth. But they had plans to build this tower that keep them from scattering all over the world. So the verse goes on to say in verse 5, The Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. And he said, look, he said, the people are united and they speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Some of God's principles are unchangeable. Like unity always attracts blessings. Now they were doing the wrong thing under unity. And so they were about to be successful in the wrong thing. Last thing we ever want to do is be successful in the wrong things in life. So what happened was it says, God said, come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. And that way the Lord scattered them all over the world and they stopped building the city. So what happened was that when they were building this tower and one man was carrying, you know, like some sort of a giant, you know, stone to the, to the tower and he got over to the foreman. And just before he got there, God changed their language. And so he said to him in his language, where do you want to put this? And the foreman said in some other language where he wanted to put it. But this man couldn't understand that man. And this man didn't know why he didn't understand. And so confusion broke out. One man was walking with one man to, to build something. And all of a sudden they can't understand each other. And so confusion breaks out. And so they stop the project. Verse 9 says, this is why the city was called Babel. Because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. And this way, he scattered them all over the world and got them back on their mission. Let me tell you, God's always going to accomplish his mission one way or another. And if we don't cooperate up front, he'll find a way to get us to cooperate later. Amen? And so I say we just do it up front. I say that for sure. So listen, I want to take this story about, about the tower and, and how they, they operated here and lay it over our courageous campaign for just a moment. So if you're taking notes, here's the thing I want to start with is number one is we must stay on mission. We must stay on mission. Yes, church, we're going to build an amazing new home for us. And I'm excited about it. It will be in a perfect location on Oleander. 
Uh, people just, there's so many cars drive by it. People are going to see us. It's going to be amazing. It will have some of the finest and most creative designs available. We're going to outfit our church in excellence and forward thinking plans. It will be comfortable. We'll have cushioned chairs at the new place. We're even going to be able to control the air conditioner in our new place, ladies. Yeah, you can clap about it. How many of y'all freeze to death in church right now? Yeah, so listen, it's, it's like 90 degrees outside and somehow it's 60 degrees in here. We just don't have control over the air conditioner here. So when we get to the new place, I promise you, Greg Redden will have control of the air conditioner and he can make it operate. So uh, church, our building it's going to have expanded seating capacity. Uh, it's going to be more than we've ever had. It's going to have a bigger children's spaces than we've ever had. Excellent acoustical sound equipment and lighting. Uh, the coffee shop, of course, will be there. We'll have office space ready for growth. All of that is going to be there, and all of that is going to be great. But all of this, you need to know, church, isn't our mission. A church building is not our mission. My goal isn't to just build a church. My goal isn't just to get to the next spot. My goal is to fulfill a mission that God has put in our heart. And this building will only be a tool to help us accomplish that. In your booklet, we wrote out, we want to reach our city. And we do. We want to build a community of believers. And we will. We want to pursue the long-term vision of this house. And we will. But we need a new church home so that we can accomplish the vision that God has put in our hearts. We want to build a real strong community of believers so that they can go from that house equipped and filled so that they can go win and make more disciples for Jesus Christ. I'm excited about our building and how spectacular it will be. But what genuinely lights my fire, church, isn't the building it's that in our new building, we'll be able to strengthen our church body through discipleship classes. We'll be able to have worship nights and we'll have conferences and leadership training so that we can more effectively reach our city. And that's what that building will do for us. And church, I believe it's our time, it's Life Church's time to make an impact in our city. Amen, church. Amen. Number two, if you're taking notes, we must be all in. This vision and the courageous campaign will be more successful if we're all in it together. I believe God's blessings will be on it. I believe God will pour out his favor on us if we're all in. I want to tell you a story about Harriet and I when we were really young, 33 years ago, really young. We were engaged to be married. So it seems like it's been a while ago, babe, but time has flown as well. So, but 33 years ago, we're engaged to be married. Our pastor began a campaign for the building that we attended, our pastor, Pastor Frank Harvey. And so he launched this campaign in order to build us a new church home. Now, we were in this little place, a little, a little church building. It's more like a little chapel. I mean, it was cute, but it was small, and we had outgrown this church building. And, and in this building, in, you know, we were back in the Waynesville area. Um, like, this building didn't have air conditioning. Like, it was just a little space, but you didn't really need it too bad there. 
Like, you know, when we were there, we prayed for air conditioning, where you guys are praying for turn off the air conditioning. But, um, but what we would do is we would roll, over, roll open these little windows that were on the side of the, of the auditorium. And just the little windows would roll out. And so I can remember, you know, you'd want to sit on the end of the pew. We had pews then. And we'd want to sit on the end of the pew so that you could get a little breeze on you, you know. And, so, and if you sat on the end, it was your job to roll open the window throughout the service when it got a little warm. And so I can remember, though, we'd be in this little building and, and we would sing our, our worship songs in that little house, that little building, and our voices would travel out those windows. And this church was situated in a small neighborhood. And after church, we'd go out and we'd see all the neighbors. They would be sitting on their front porches and they would be just listening to the music. They would listen to our pastor preach and he was an amazing preacher. And they would just sit out there. We probably reached more people with the windows open than anything we did. It was a special time, but we'd outgrown this place and we knew, we knew it was time for, you know, to, to grow and get a new, new space. So <clears throat> Pastor Frank started that, that campaign then. Then on the very day that Harriet and I returned from our honeymoon, so march a little time forward, and we came back from our honeymoon. Even before we went home, we went to a, a building or a meeting for the commitment service to turn in our commitment cards. So we had just gotten back from our, our cruise. We went on a little cruise and Dolphin Cruise Line, and um, we hadn't even gone home, but we, we had kept our card with us. And so when we got to the church there to turn in our car. Like this was our, like we'd just gotten back from our honeymoon and we were excited about being a part of this campaign that our, our pastor was launching. Now you need to know that Harriet and I in the early days, we didn't have much money at all. And I mean, it was fine, but we didn't have much money. I was working in my father's convenience store as an assistant manager and Harriet worked at the front desk of a, an eye doctor's office we lived in a 900 square foot cinder block home that was deep in the woods of Western North Carolina with a gravel road and it was country, I'm telling you. We were out there. Um, we didn't have enough money to buy any furniture so um, someone donated to us wicker furniture. So we had some wicker furniture in our house and so it creaked and you know you weren't sure if it was gonna hold you up but, but Harriet's a little decorator. She put pillows all over it, made it look you know, as pretty as possible in our little house. Um, we didn't even have a TV at this point. So we were, uh, we were just newlyweds and we were, we were fine. You know? But you know, we, we were determined though at this stage of our life to be a part of this campaign. And so on the day we returned from our honeymoon, we joyfully went to that service and we turned in our commitment cards and we had prayed about what we were going to give and, um, and, and we came to a, a number, you know, an amount that the Lord had, you know, shared with us to give and, and I'll be real honest with you, it wasn't a lot. I mean, it was a lot for us, you know, like, but in the big scheme of things, it didn't seem like a lot of money, but we believe this is what God was asking us to do. And in that season and still today, we knew like without a doubt that if we responded with faith about our money, that God would look out after us. I almost felt like it was a defining moment for us in our marriage and handling our money that from the very beginning, God was asking us to trust him with our money. And we believed that as we were faithful to God, that his goodness and his mercy would chase us down all the days of our life. 
And I remember the very first day we moved into that church building. It was about a year and a half later. And I remember going to that very first church service and walking into this brand new church building with so many of our friends. And we were walking in and we had comfortable chairs and air conditioning and this big platform for the worship team. And the church was packed out that day, just like it will be on our first day in the new building. It was packed and uh, people were excited, as you can imagine. The worship was just lively as ever. And, and I remember being there, and I was so proud that Harriet and I played a part in building that church. Now, we didn't have a, a big part, but we had our part. And I was so proud to be a part of that. And even today, when Harriet and I go back home to our hometown, and we can drive through town, there's a place where we can kind of look off the bypass we're on. You look over old Clyde Highway and you see on the mountain on the hillside there New Covenant Church and every time I drive by there today I look over there with such pride godly pride that I was a part of what God was doing then and all the ministry that took place and all the salvations and the healings and I'm like I was a part of that I'm still proud to be part of that church today because I sowed into that house in my in our way amen church Listen, I say all that to you today because I don't want you to miss out on the blessings of being all in on this project. When we move into our new church home and we have our first service, oh, it's going to be a day. Oh, I can, I can see it in my spiritual, you know, with my spiritual eyes. Oh, it's going to be an amazing moment. The building, you know, it's going to be packed out. We're going to have so many people come visit and want to see what, what God has done through this, this church. And, and the worship, you know, is going to be incredible that day. I mean, it's incredible every day. But just imagine in a new place with new equipment and all the, all the things around it. It's going to be amazing. On this day, there's going to be people that hear the message of Jesus Christ. And that day, there'll be hands go up. I, I, I'm already anticipating hands going up all over the building. And when I give the, the altar moment for people to give their life to Christ, I can't wait to say, I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I mean, you know what's coming. It's going to be there. And at that moment, I want you to be sitting in your chair so full of pure joy knowing that you got to be a part of what God is doing in this city. And you can do that by being all in. So I'm asking every person between now and June 12th to pray about your commitment to the Courageous Campaign. And then on the 12th, we're going to come and have a special service for us and we'll all turn in our cards and we'll be all in together. And we believe that when we do that, God will just bless. He'll bless you. He'll bless our church. It'll be a great day as we prepare to move into our brand new church home. Amen? Amen. Amen. Before we have one commitment card turned in, I want to say thank you. Harriet and I want to say thank you in advance. Pastor in this church for 18 years. She and I have never been more excited about the next year moving into a building. I'll say that. But we're so excited to be part of this church body. You have demonstrated generosity and faithfulness and kindness and unity over and over again. I preach this not because we're in some place where like no one's together on this thing. Matter of fact, I'm just here to add the amen to who we already are. 
And so I want to say thank you in advance before anyone makes a con contribution or commitment. Uh, we're just grateful, and I just want you to know that. Amen? Amen. Listen, as I close today, my final thing I want to share, and it's the most important thing I'll ever say today, and it's this, that if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then today is your day of salvation. And why it's so important? Because there are people that have probably come here today that have never begun a relationship with our Heavenly Father by believing in Jesus. And when you don't have Jesus in your life, then there's a place inside of us that feels the, the guilt and the condemnation. You feel the struggles of life in a way that a believer doesn't feel them. Not that we are immune from problems, but we have the hope and the strength of God to get us through it all. And if you've never accepted and believed in Jesus as your Savior, then today is that day for you to do it. I want to share with you that you are loved by God. He loves you. It's not based on anything you've ever done or haven't done. He just, that's who God is. He is love. He loves you. Our sin is what has separated us from God. It's what gives us that place where we feel the condemnation and we, we have no hope and help from God because the sin is what separated us. But Jesus paid the price for our sin on the cross and he died for us. And he gave us the ability to believe in him and have all of our sins forgiven. And the moment you believe in Jesus and you confess him as Lord of your life, then he comes in and begins to do a transformation on the inside. But instantly you are saved and eternity is yours. Instantly all the condemnation for every thing you've ever done wrong is removed from your life. And from that point on, you learn how to obey and you learn how to walk and you, you learn to feel his strength through all your days and all your difficult moments. He'll be there for you. The last part, though, is that you must believe. You must choose Jesus. Your parents can't choose Jesus for you. That's up to you. And so right here in this moment is your time to choose. Would you bow your heads? If you've never made a decision to believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then I need you to make a courageous moment, a courageous step, and raise your hand to me and say, Pastor Tim, today I choose to believe in Jesus as my Savior. Now, would you raise your hand to me? I want to see your hand. Is there anybody in the house? God bless you. I see you. Is there anybody else? I don't want to miss. God bless you. Let's all say this prayer out loud together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus who died on the cross to forgive my sins. And he rose from the grave to demonstrate his godliness. I believe in Jesus. Forgive me for my sins. I receive all my forgiveness today. And as of this moment, I am saved. I am redeemed. I'm brand new. I have hope that I've never had because of Jesus. Amen, church. Amen.